Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young business leaders, welcome to the YBT Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 105. Today's podcast is a podcast that is months in the making, uh, and whenever I say months in the making, it's because uh, this is a guest that I've been actively searching out. He was actually recommended to us by Shannon Wilburn, who is going to be our October luncheon speaker, so uh, if you by the time this airs, that will have already been recorded and released. So make sure you go and listen to Shannon's uh, keynote to our group. But I want to introduce to you Harvey Holmesy. He's the Vice President of Franchise Systems for Express Services, Inc., the franchiser for Express Employment Professionals. He joined Express in 1989, and he oversees the development and implementation of the Express Employment Professionals franchise sales and operating systems, processes, and products for over 800 franchise offices in the United States, Canada and South Africa. Harvey, welcome to the podcast. Say hello to the audience. And if you don't mind, tell them just a little bit more about yourself. You bet, Evan. And thanks for waiting uh, patiently for the three or four months it's taken us to get together. Uh, (laughs) Glad to join you. Um, As far as me, I am a very happily married man, four grown children, one grandchild, and very actively involved in with my work and what we do at Express. So let's get going. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I wanted to reach out to you because uh, in that bio, uh, over 800 franchise offices in the United States, uh, Express being the company that it is and and having the ability to replicate the systems that it has in place uh, to be successful in so many different markets, that takes systems, that takes processes, and that is, from what I understand, your expertise. And so my first question to you is, uh, when we're talking about systems and processes, and especially when it comes to people, it seems like that's going to be something very difficult to combine, especially when it comes to recruiting people, because there's all different kinds of people out there. They have different skill sets. They have different passions. They have different uh, needs that they're looking for. How do you create a process and a system around recruiting? Evan, it took us a little bit of time to figure it out, but the best way you create any process is to ask the audience that you're going to be using the process for. Mm-hmm. Um, we pay a little over 550,000 people a year uh, through our payroll processing through all of the offices. And so in order to do that, that means offices are actually interviewing about a million point three pe- people a year. Wow. It is a systematic type interview that we go through, but there's something different about the system. They're each each franchise office and staff is putting their heart there. Yes, we have certain questions and certain things we want to know. We want to know, Evan, can you do the job that we were going to send you to? Will you do the job? And is there anything that you want special while you're there? So by doing all of that and gathering that information, we've created... Uh, a, a step process that gets us that information 
and lets us find the right person to uh, to put on the job. That's awesome. I'm so intrigued about that process because uh, in my role, I, I do hire people. I do interview people. They've usually been a little bit screened by the time that I get to them. But uh, I'm always kind of curious, like, what are some good questions that we can be asking potential employees? And what kind of responses should we be looking for? Because I know everybody thinks about the typical, like, where do you see yourself in five years? Or what's your biggest weakness? And I feel like those are just kind of like questions that we think we're supposed to ask. But I would venture to say that because of the systems and processes that you guys have in place, that you have certain questions that you're going to ask that are maybe going to tell you a little bit more about a candidate based on the response. What are some of those things that you're looking for? And what are the the, some of the things that you're asking and what are some of the things that you're looking for in terms of a response? You know, Evan, we are filling a pool with qualified uh, applicants, employees who are will be ready to go to work as our clients are needing them. And in order to do that, um, we, we do ask about three or four questions of each person basically to find out what it is they, they want and what they can do. So I'm going to go back to basically we, we describe, first of all, here's the kind of job that we're going to be sending you on. So, Evan, have you ever done that before? And if so, can you tell me about that and when you did it and how long you did it? And then after you've told me that when you did it and how you did it, I want to find out from you, so is that something you want to do again? And I'm going to listen to that answer. If it's a, if it's a, a valid yes, then, then great. That's someplace I'm going to send you. If you're wishy-washy about it, we're going to go and look for a different type of assignment that might be better for you. Um, it's the old adage, we do a lot better at the job we like. Yeah. So we want to find out what you've done and will you do it again and would, would you, would, do you want to do it again? So it's, it's just a simple, sure, we can ask the future questions, where do you see yourself? But in order to find Evan that job, I need to know what, what do you want to do and will you really do that and how long do you want to do that? Will you, will you be happy doing that for a while? One of the things that I think about when we're asking these questions and we're looking at these things is hopefully we're trying to tap into some of their passions, right? Some of the things that motivates them, that gives them life. Are, are, you, are your teams able to pick that up in the conversations to where they're like, all right, this guy is definitely either passionate about this thing or he's really tuned into this? Or uh, do you guys just kind of go for the straight, you know, broad answers? No, we actually, we, we get the passion, we get the heart. We, we, we ask questions as to not only the, not necessarily the future, but the what do you want to do. And the what do you want to do uh, question, Evan, kind of gives us that here's what Evan likes to do mm-hmm. and what makes him smile. And so we ask that, what makes you tick? What makes you get up in the morning? What, what motivates you to, to want to, to do better and to do more and to, and to do a job? Um, we do want to know your heart. We want, we want to know um, about you, why you want to work, and what makes you happiest at work. Um, I can venture to say that the uh, recruiters that we have all across the United States and Canada um, have that, uh, that gut feeling and that intuition to know that when they're talking with someone, they're able to, to listen and learn and uh, then start to build a bond. Mm-hmm. They build a, uh, almost a friendship with the persons um, because they, they're with them a lot, they know them a lot, they know their families. So it's not just the interview, it's that long-term uh, relationship that you continue to build over time. And I get to know 
Evan and who he is and what makes him tick and what makes him happy. So we start that bond at the interview, getting to know you, getting to know your heart, getting to know your passion, and then we continue that through our relationship. <laughs> yeah, as you were saying that, I was actually thinking about sometimes in my business, we'll, we'll talk about we're not necessarily an advertising company uh, or a marketing company or a design company. We're actually just in the people business. Like it's the relationship with the people, tapping into the things that they like and, and, and really help helping them kind of find what they're looking for. But you're literally in the people business. You're you're really truly having to understand, like get to know their families, get to know them, what they're passionate about, what, what things they like so that you can help find the right fit for them. And so it's, it's, it's the true embodiment of the people business. It is. It is. And uh, you basically said that we're all in the people business. That's what makes our businesses as people. Yeah, I, I wanted to kind of speak a little bit to the audience here today, because uh, when we're talking about young business leaders, we're talking about people maybe in that younger generation, they're in their early, mid-20s, maybe approaching their 30s. And so uh, the f- workforce today is a, is a pretty diverse workforce, and so it becomes multi-generational. And when you think about the different generations of people in the workforce, uh, there's definitely different preconceptions about what, what each generation does and, and, and how they put value on different things. And so my question kind of ties into, like, I, I want to kind of get a temperature for the current workforce, and especially for the younger side of the workforce. In some cases, they're going to be hired by older generation people. How do they interact with each other? Like, what are, what are some of the things that they can actively do uh, to, to be a valuable and good employee working for somebody in the older generation? And then the other side around, uh, th- and this was my situation, I actually had people that were much older than me that I had as uh, people working under me. And it was definitely difficult for me to navigate navigate like maybe how to how to relate to them or maybe uh, figuring out what's best for them in, in that role so that they're able to operate in the things that they want to do. So in some of the things that you're doing when you're placing all these people and you're learning from all these different environments, what, what are some of the some of the clues or or secrets that you have in terms of getting the multi-generations to kind of cohesively exist? Well it is not any different than getting a family of multi-generations in a home to coexist. Um, everyone has a different want, a different goal, a different uh, need. Um, so being the father of that, uh, the, that generation, I have three children that are between the age of 20 and 30. Um, the, first I'm gonna tell, the first thing I would say to that group is be yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't Try and be someone different. Don't try and act like something you think you need to be. Just be yourself because that's the easiest person to be. Uh, of course, you want to be kind and nice. Um, and I, I'm even talking to myself about that. It, it <laughs> took me a while to learn that. I, I, I work at being kind and nice every day. Um, you know, you, when you have a job to do, to do you just do it. Uh, but there's a nice way to do it. There's a kind way to do it. That... For all of us, um, whether you're the uh, the uh, younger generation or the older generation, and whether you're reporting to whom or uh, you're the boss, it doesn't matter. Um, you you want to meet the persons where they are. Um, I'm very well aware of the fact that if I want to quickly get to my daughters, I don't call them on their cell and leave a message, because if the message says hey, this is Dad, I'm having a heart attack, I'm in the ambulance, <laughs> come see me. I will be dead and buried 
before they listen to that message. <laughs> so I don't do that. I send them a text. I, I learned. I know that. Um, they know if they want to get to me, and it's a learning thing, that sure, the text is nice, but it's going to take me a while to respond to it. But if you want to hear my voice, pick up the phone and call me. Mm-hmm. It's just a different generation. So you want to communicate to the person the way they want to be communicated to, and you have to learn that. Um, and there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, Evan, how do you want me to communicate to you? There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that at all. It's a uh, it, it, it lifts Evan. It says, okay, I'm important. Uh, I get it. Um, and here's how I'd like to be communicated to. One of the things that um, I think is important for the younger generation and even my generation is to continually find a mentor within your workplace. Mm-hmm. If you're working in a five-person place, a 20-person place, whatever it is, uh, find a mentor, someone that you can bounce ideas off of once in a while, take to lunch, think to, think with, think to. Uh, it's kind of like a work dad or mom, mm-hmm. and you just continually pick their brain. Um, it's just it's just something you uh, that will help you grow and work within that company. Um, my generation, Evan, um, we're used to being at a company 10, 15, 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. That younger generation, uh, and I'm not going to call it job hopping because it is not job hopping. They work at a place. They get done with what they have wanted to accomplish there, and they're ready for their next challenge or their next opportunity. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. Um, it, it was just it's just a different mindset than the than the baby boomer type uh, mindset. Nothing wrong with it. It's just different. Yeah. Uh, so be be open to the workforce knowing. Hey, I know I'm only going to have you for a little bit, so let's get the best out of you right now that we can. Well, I love that you're talking about mentorship because that's definitely something we talk about a lot on this podcast, and it's something that I wish I had tuned into a lot earlier in life. Uh, I, I I kind of originally looked at it like, well, if you need a mentor, then you don't have all the answers. And of course, when I was young, I thought I had all the answers, and so therefore I didn't need one. So uh, it, it definitely took a little bit longer for me to recognize that. But when I did, uh, it really helped me accelerate the process. It's not that I couldn't figure it out. I could. It just took me a lot longer to do so. And so I encourage people that are listening to this, and I know we're, we're probably beating you over the head with it, but uh, find those mentors, look at those people that are potentially those work dads, those work moms that can help guide you in what you're trying to do uh, because they are going to be able to give you a lot more knowledge quickly than you're going to be able to learn in terms of maybe uh, you may figure it out if you get it right the first time, you may fail, um, but it's going to be a lot faster and a lot cheaper for your company, which is going to help you grow in the role that you're in as well. I love how you're talking about also communicating at, at people's levels, and you're talking about like cell phones versus text messages. One of the things that uh, I'm, I'm uh, learning too is a lot of my salespeople now will text our customers. And I I was I was kind of baffled by it at first because I'm just like no we call them on the phone we develop a relationship with them we work with them we give the the information that they need uh, the problem was we could never get our customers on the phone. And it was uh, some of the younger generation customers, but they were so caught up in you know, being out in the field and working and doing everything else that sometimes the best way to get a hold of them was that text message. 
And so it took a while for me to be like, okay, yeah, go ahead and go ahead and text them to now where I'm trying to figure out how do we incorporate text messaging into some of our actual approvals to give people the ability to do it that way. And that kind of leads a little bit into my next question, which is talking about some of that mentality of, well, we've always done it this way. Uh, I, I feel like sometimes when, like, uh, like you're talking about, the younger generation comes in and they, they have this task that they're trying to complete or this goal that they're trying to do, and then maybe they move on to the next thing. I think sometimes they want to come in and they can, they can see some things from maybe a different perspective or, or they, they have these uh, things that they've learned along the lines and, and, and the company's trying to evolve a little bit. And so they have these things that they want to bring up, but they may be running into that, well, we've always done it this way mentality, or maybe you're trying to throw that out, but it's still there and you still have those questions that you want to ask uh, or the, the ways that you want to do it because it, it's easier to do it that way. And you, we feel like we know that it's best. What would you say are some of the best ways for people to kind of bring up an idea or uh, to bring up maybe a, a possible way to improve something uh, if they are, are running into that uh, older uh, way of doing it, which was the, the way that they've always done it? Well, the first thing is don't be afraid. Yeah. Don't be afraid to do it. Um, that's why you were hired. You were hired to bring in new ideas, to uh, to do not only just a job, but to make the job uh, better. And that's really what companies are looking for all the time. Um, if we always continually say that's the way we always did it, no reason to change it, then the company will never get better, will never grow, and not where any company today wants to be. You know, if you have an idea, present the idea with facts and belief, uh, with passion. Um, let me hear that not only is it a good idea, but you want to do it, you want to be part of it, and it, it will help do something, whatever the idea is. And there is no big or small idea. All ideas are great. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, sometimes the initial idea is enough, <clears throat> and that's all you have to present. And then sometimes you're going to have to say, you know what, I've tested this, and you really have tested it, and you know that uh, it's a great idea, so you, you keep going to it. I'm going to go back to that that mentor or that person, try it out on them and, and hear them and take advice on, on communicating. Um, and when you get a no and you're going to get a no, that's a cool thing. That's, that's good. Uh, no doesn't mean that's the last idea you're ever going to offer. That just means you're one no closer to a yes. So mm -hmm. just keep doing it. Um, you, you, you ask about the, we've always done it that way. Um, companies, and that I'm talking to me, not to Evan, uh, we have to be open. Uh, we have to be uh, willing to listen to change. You know, change is hard. Um, and that's not a cliche. It's just change is hard. In fact, when I was a kid, my grandmother used to tell me that the only thing that doesn't change is change. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, that's it. That's the yeah. only thing that doesn't change is, is change. So if a company wants to be better, if a person wants to be better, you have to change. Uh, it doesn't matter. So uh, if you have a great idea, uh, we want to hear it. Let us, let us know what it is and uh, then come up with a way to, to together we implement it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, uh, that's great advice. And, and I love how we're talking about, you know, change. Change is something that uh, for some reason we, we always butt up against it and we don't like it. But uh, I have the fortune of looking back at, at certain situations where a major change happened. And 
for the most part, I've always come out on the better side of it. So it's like this really unscary, it's this really scary thing because you, you have uncertainty surrounding the change and you're, you have maybe a little bit of fear mixed in there too. But change is also opportunity. And I think if you can tap into the positive side of that, where the opportunity is coming from, and you can kind of look at it from maybe a little bit higher view, you can say, hey, uh, we're changing because either we need to, or we're ch- hopefully we're changing ahead of the curve, we're changing to innovate. And if we can do something like that, that's going to make you more valuable to the company because you're presenting something that maybe the company's not seeing yet. And yeah, you're going to have to be passionate about it and push it through because uh, if it hasn't been tested, I'm not going to make a decision based on something that hasn't been tested. Uh, I'm open to the idea of it, but let's let's kind of start to roll it out and, and maybe look for some experiences, look for some case studies, look for some things that have maybe shown us that this is possible, this is possible, and this is where it's going. And once we can really figure out uh, where that is, then we start jumping in, we start blazing that trail, and that's where the real opportunity starts to happen. Absolutely. One of the things that I have run into, though, is sometimes um, people will come to you with ideas, or they'll they'll, they'll present these ideas, and the 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 boss or the manager just kind of just says no it's not going to work no it's not going to work uh i've been doing it this way and uh if if we do something like that this is what's going to happen and we've we've already tested it and i think the challenge that we run into in something like that is when you when you when you do something like that i think people stop bringing ideas to the table because they're like well they've clearly already tried all that stuff so they're they're not going to want to do it and i think that's where where you're what you're talking about is where that passion comes into play uh of like you have to be so passionate about that idea that you're going to have to bump up into those first couple of no's. But at the same time, as managers and leaders, I feel like it is good sometimes to have uh, opportunities for controlled failure. Uh, do you encourage that with, with your teams and with your franchises? Like what, 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 what's kind of your opinion on those? Uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, uh, Evan, one of the best bosses I ever had, um, and this is probably 30 plus years ago, uh, was a man who let me fail, but he let me do it in a controlled environment. Um, if I failed on something, he was the one who knew it. Uh, he'd bring me into his office. I can remember seeing the piece of paper and all the mistakes that I had made and all the <laughs> things that were wrong. And I'm going, God, I'm back in English uh, class and everything's being corrected. Uh, but the way he did it, he let me fail and taught me how to correct it. Um, so it was okay to fail. I wasn't fired. I wasn't criticized. I was taught, here's a failure. Here's how we fix it. So basically, if you're not failing, you're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And if you're in an environment where failure isn't um, an option, that's not going to be easy because there's very few places where you shouldn't be allowed to fail once or twice because it's learning. Um don't want you uh, flying a plane and failing, but <laughs> in the work world, um, it, failures happen, and we learn from them. Um, I fail daily, uh, every day, um, and it's just the way that I continue to learn. So I'm going to encourage those who are just starting out in their careers, it's okay to fail. Yeah. 
Well, I think the nice thing about Express is you have, to some degree, kind of perfected the system a little bit, right? So when somebody wants to start a franchise or they want to they kind of roll into it, you have a lot of foundational things that you can give them to minimize maybe some of those front-end failures. But when you're maybe looking to grow it or do something different or maybe get into a different market, that's where some of those failures happen. But you know, definitely having those tools and resources and that expertise from, you know, as long as Express has been around, that that helps accelerate somebody's process as well, right? It does help very much. So, uh, having the processes in place um, certainly helps. Um, and when you bring on more uh, franchise owners, you're bringing on more ideas. And so the processes just keep getting better and better. Mm-hmm. One of the things I want to talk a little bit about, too, is uh, the importance of some of that mental capital. You have these employees that maybe have been with the company for a long time, uh, and I think it's definitely important to keep those because they are those mentors. They are those people that have been there. They've done that. They've, they've, uh, they've kind of blazed the trail a little bit, and they help kind of with the sustainability of the company. What, what are some of the things that companies are doing now to try to preserve and keep some of that mental, mental capital? And especially as we're talking about that younger generation will come in and they'll do things for a short period, shorter period of time. Some of that mental capital doesn't last as long. So is there things that you guys do or that you're seeing the industries do that are trying to preserve and keep employees maybe a little bit longer than a couple of years? Evan, that is something that grows and matures uh, continually. Um, you mentioned Shannon uh, Wilburn earlier. Yeah. Um, she and I are great friends. And um, when she and I started talking about, hey, I want you to do this with Evan, uh, she and I are both on, uh, on the IFA committees together and, and served there. And she said this would be great for, for all of us to hear from an IFA standpoint and from Express. Um, basically, uh, capturing what is there as far as the, uh, their wants you know, when we started, Evan, you asked me, what are the questions we ask? And we ask you, what can you do? What will you do? And then what are your wants? And it's not just um, a, a, a big Taj Mahal office. It's what do you really want? So we're very open to if someone needs flex time, um, that's, that, that's, that's something we're able to do. If it's uh, I want a different type of workspace, I want a desk that goes up and down, um, I want headsets so that I don't have to hear anything while I'm working. Whatever those small things sound like small, they're really big and they really matter. Um, this will change over time. Uh, Ten years ago, that wasn't the way it is. Today, that's the need, and in a couple of years, there's going to be a different need. Companies have to be open to figuring out what the wants are and then be willing to provide them if it's not such a hardship on the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, you, you, when you're talking about some of those amenities or maybe some flexible schedules, uh, I've talked to some different people and they've definitely said things like it may get to a point where you have less and less full-time employees because people want to have those more flexible schedules and they're not going to work a traditional 40-hour week. Uh, how close are we to that? Are, are you start, already starting to see that? Is that something that is continuing to grow in, in your market space? Um, within the offices uh, across the United States and Canada, that's basically the uh, one of the uh, benefits of having a temporary employee is that flexibility of that person going in and out. Um, within our headquarters and within companies, we are seeing um, 
a flexible 40-hour week. There's mm-hmm. still 40 hours there. You're still getting that, that time out of the person, but it may be coming in late or not doing a lunch or staying late, um, working in the evening, working extra hours here and there so that you can accommodate for other times that are needed off. So you're still getting that 40 hours, just not necessarily uh, 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about that, and I'm a little nervous about that at the same time because when I think of my customers, uh, obviously that there's certain times that they work, but then at the same time, like, you know, how do, how, do, how do we navigate that where we have availability of being there for like a customer when they need us, uh, but at the same time being able to be flexible with some of the things that our employees are looking for? We do know that um, our customers want um, either a live person or a live text or a live something when they're open. So we are open when our customers are open and we have persons always available, trained, right people. Mm-hmm. It may not be the same person that you get when you call every time, but you're always going to get that live voice. You're always going to be serviced. You're always going to have somebody there to answer your question and help you. Mm-hmm. So I hear your fear. I appreciate your fear. Um, know that your fear, that it can be combated for those companies that are doing and making sure that they're open when their customers are open and doing what they need to do at the time their customer needs them. Just because I'm giving Evan, uh, letting you come in late or come in early, doesn't mean I am ignoring the customer's needs. I've got somebody there at that time that I need them for the customer. Yeah. One of my uh, counterparts is actually at the Zappos uh, Insights, which is their behind the scenes of their culture of what they do. And she's been sharing with me some of the pictures of their facilities and some of the things that they do. And one of the things that she showed me, she showed me their break room, which actually had a fully stocked bar in it. And I was and she was like, this is great. Like, what do you think of this? And I said, that that's amazing. I just don't know how we could even incorporate something like that. Um, but it's part of it is like, if you trust your employees and if you're, you're empowering your employees and giving them, uh, some freedoms, they will respect those freedoms at the same time. And so I think that kind of what we're talking about here too, is a little bit culture related because we're talking about the freedom to work certain times, but they also know, also know and respect the fact that your customers need to, uh, be able to reach somebody at a reasonable hour. So therefore that means that you can't all show up late. You can't all stay late. Uh, you have to have some sort of flexibility in there. And I think that if you're giving them those tools, uh, some of those benefits, some of the things, some of those wants that they have, that they're therefore more willing to make maybe some sacrifices here and there to accommodate maybe some of the needs of the actual company. Is is, is that kind of what we're getting at? That is. That is. Well, I do. That's what it is. I do want to talk a little bit about culture, too, because we talk a lot on this podcast about company culture and just the importance of company culture. It's something that I'm continuing to learn about uh, going through just my our mission, our vision, our core values, all those things. Uh, but then also it, it goes beyond that. It's, it's like how do we keep that culture in front of our employees at all time? How do we stay consistent with our culture so it's not just words on a wall or on a plaque or maybe in a folder when, when you hire somebody? Uh, you're – 
impacting and meeting people right at the very beginning of the job search process, how much of a company's culture is tied to an employee wanting to work with that that company? And what are companies doing today to communicate their culture to the people that they're trying to hire through you guys? Interesting question, and I'll tell you the truth. The reason I am still with this company is because of the company culture. Yeah. Uh, the day I interviewed, I was told what the, I was told. Here's what the culture is. Here's what we're about. Um, and I was basically given a choice. This is this is who we are. This is how we treat people. This is how we treat our customers. We'd love you to join us if that's something that fits within your culture. And so basically, that's for your listeners. You want to find a place and be at a place that is that matches your culture and works with what you want. The companies really aren't going to change their cultures. Um, they may alter a little bit, but they're not going to change it uh, just because one person says it needs to change. You know, multiple people say it needs to change, and they may look at it, but um, culture is um, it, it is the thing that um, I mean, you're, you're at that job uh, Monday through Friday a lot of time, so you want to make sure you're fitting in and it fits with you. Um, as far as our customers, uh, Evan, and, and what we're doing with the offices, um, every office is individually owned, and every office has a phenomenal culture. And you, you know, when you, when you walk in, you want to be there. You want to work there. You, you feel the vibe. You feel the energy. And that comes from liking what you do and wanting to truly help people succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's what we do is that's our culture is to help people succeed. Well, I love that you're still a part of Express because of its culture. Do you mind uh, sharing a little bit about Express's culture, especially because you have a, you're at Express Corporate, but then you have all these individual companies. And so I'm curious, like how much of your corporate culture trickles down to your individual companies and how do you continue to communicate that among all those different locations? Uh, it, it does trickle down. Um, uh, interestingly enough, when um, and I'm not by any means the person who does it, um, but when uh, we're interviewing prospective franchise owners, we we let them know what the mission is, what the values are, um, and you know our our number one um, thing is that we're always helping people, whether we're helping the franchise owner or helping the client or helping the temporary employee. We always want to be helping people, and when franchisees become a part of that, they know that's what they want to do as well. And so I, I, you know, I said earlier, trickle down. It's not really a trickle down. It's just a continuation of mm-hmm. uh, birds of a feather kind of flock together. You just People that want to help people always seem to find each other and want to continue to do that. Um, and that's what clients are wanting when we, are, when we put temporary employees out there is they need they need help, mm-hmm. and we're there to provide that that help and help those people succeed. Um, and it all boils back down to a, a good, solid culture that works for our company. Absolutely. Well, Harvey, I appreciate you sharing a little bit about your culture. Uh, I'm always curious about those different things, especially when we talk to companies the size of Express, because uh, you don't get that size. You don't get that reach that you have without having some sort of defined 
culture. So I'm, uh, it's awesome to get a kind of a behind the scenes look at that. One of the things that I always like to do is I always like to give my guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. And this is kind of your opportunity to speak to that next generation of business leaders. And so I always like to turn it over to you and, and, and really give you that opportunity to really give them what, we, what you would say would be your message to young business leaders. Well, first of all, thanks, Evan. I appreciate you asking me a part of this. Um, again, I, I also want to thank Shannon. Um, when when we talked, she said this is something we need you to do. Um, uh, as far as IFA is concerned, I'm uh, on several committees with her as well, and she said, okay, we, we want you to do this. And so thinking about it and going through um, the, the process of getting ready with to talk with you, basically it just came down to a few things that um, if I were to have the time – or take no, I have the time. If I, when I'm with my adult children, um, I would say the same thing to them as I would say to your audience is, uh, and we've said it throughout this 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 cast is, be yourself. Um, it's the easiest person to be, so just keep being yourself. Be kind. Uh, be open. You know, we've we've all heard we all have to pay our dues. We really do have to pay our dues. Uh, none of us are going to walk in and be the CEO. None of us are going to walk in and be the king or the queen. Um, even the king and the queen had to start as something before the king and the queen. So we all have to pay our dues and, 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 and learn and, and earn that and, and get there and grow to that. And, and don't be afraid to offer uh, ideas. Um, you're going to hear my generation say, we've already done it that way, it won't work. You're going to hear, oh, that's, that, that's, that's stupid, don't even think about that. That's okay. Um, let us say that because uh, we're we're really listening and it's like an opening to, okay, so really what do you want to tell me? So don't be afraid to continually offer your ideas and it is okay to fail. It really is. Um, failing means you're doing something. Mm-hmm. And if you're not doing something, you're just kind of sitting there. There's so much opportunity in all the things we have with, uh, with, with companies, with associations. Um, the opportunities are, are endless. So uh, above all, be yourself and, just go out there and make the best you uh, as part of the company that you want to be a part of. <laughs> I love that, especially that part about talking about don't being afraid to hear that no. It almost sounds like when when you're saying no, that's you thinking. That's like uh, like my initial response is that no, but now that you've said it, I'm listening, I'm hearing it, and, and I'm, I'm going to start chewing on it a little bit. And so when you bring it back to me with, with maybe a little bit more thought behind it, little, maybe a little bit more numbers and preparation, I'm going to be a lot more open to it the next time because now it's something that I've actually had a chance to think about as well. And who knows? I might actually think it's a bad idea in the beginning and then – two, three days down the line, maybe two weeks down the line, uh, that idea has kind of grown and grown inside my mind. And you're like, you know what? I think he might be right on that. I think she might have a good idea there. And I really want to further develop this. And yeah, I did say no in the beginning, but that's because I didn't fully understand it. Happens all the time. (laughs) It's called process thinking. You got to think about it. And then all of a sudden go, wow, that is a good idea. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to speak to the audience, to to be on this podcast, especially for the IFA side. Uh, I've seen some of the things that you guys do on in the International Franchise Association, uh, just uh, your involvement in that. We didn't even talk about how, how, how involved you are in those different organizations. But between you and Shannon, you guys have given so much to this audience and, and to this organization. And I just want to say thank you back because... 
I know that it takes time out of your busy schedule to do things like this, but in an indirect way, you are being that that mentor, that virtual mentor to, to people all across the country uh, that are learning from uh, people who have uh, ascended to certain roles that give them maybe a little bit better platform to communicate some of these things that we know we understand that like we need to find mentors we need to be ourselves but man when it ha- when it comes from somebody that's respected in in, in the uh, franchise world that's respected in the corporate community uh, it just carries so much more weight so i appreciate you taking the time to share that with my audience today you bet thank you evan i really appreciate it well harvey thank you again listeners remember choose to connect seek development and be inspired we'll catch you on the next podcast Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.